ever feel that food is getting stuck in your throat or your GI tract since you've had surgery? What can you do about this discomfort? Stay right where you are. Bariatric dietitians Gail and Isabel join me with answers and tips. Looking to change up your vitamin routine? ProCare has a new multivitamin soft chew that comes with three delicious fruit flavors. With flexible dosing, you can accommodate your whole family's vitamin needs, and it even includes iron. Paired with calcium chews and our new protein powder, Visit ProCareNow.com and use code SUSAN10 to save 10%. Hi, I'm registered dietitian nutritionist Dr. Susan Mitchell, ex-radio dietitian turned podcaster. You're listening to the Bariatric Surgery Success Podcast, episode number 103. I'm here to help you cut through all that health hype, give you accurate science-based nutrition information, step-by-step strategies that can change your life today. I want you to feel well every day. Get out there. Do the things that are on your to-do list. That's why I do this podcast. It's all about you. You're in the right place. I'm so glad you're listening. I want to give a shout out to Talitha, who had this to say about the podcast. Thank you for the stellar content. Well, Talitha, thank you. I'll take stellar anytime you made my day. Joining me are your favorite bariatric dietitians, Isabel and Gail. Isabel Maples is a registered dietitian and bariatric coordinator with Fakir Health in Warrington, Virginia. Gail Smith is a bariatric dietitian at the Weight Loss and Bariatric Surgery Institute in Orlando, Florida. You can find both Gail's and Isabel's contact information in the show notes. Hey, Isabel and Gail, how are you today? Great, Great. Susan. Yeah. Well, you know what? It is so uncomfortable. We ever have that feeling when you feel like, gosh, something's just stuck in my throat or it's in my, my gastrointestinal tract and, and I can't get it to go down. After surgery, I imagine this feeling is much worse. So Isabel, let's start off with you. Why does this happen in the first place? And does it vary with the type of surgery? Well, first of all, the feeling is going to be triggered by eating big bites too quickly. We'll come back to that. I hear that complaint from both my bypass and my sleeve patients, but more often I hear it from my sleeve patients and partly because I see more sleeve patients. But also physically, let me explain some, explain some reasons why when food travels from bite to belly, it's not a straight road and there may be some sticking points. There are three spots in particular. One, the stomach with the sleeve is long and narrow, like a skinny banana, whereas the bypass is more like an egg. Secondly, with the sleeve, the the stomach still has the muscles intact at the start and the bottom of the stomach. They operate like doors to keep the food in the stomach for digestion. But they also offer some resistance as the food travels down, like speed bumps when you drive through a neighborhood road. Yeah, that's a great way to think about it. (laughs) and And then third, as the food enters and exits the stomach, it's also not a straight line. There are sharp turns along the route. And there's a bend in the esophagus into the stomach. And then there's a bend out of the stomach into the small intestine. And traffic jams can happen any of these spots, and that's where food can feel stuck. 
makes sense, especially I, I love the way you said it from bite to belly and that it does vary with these different things. And, but like you were just saying, the size of the bite, the big bite and going too fast then as it's hitting these bumps in the road, these speed bumps, so to speak, can be an issue. So Gail, do you see the same thing sleeve or do you see it with bypass more? And do you hear about it over time or does this tend to take care of itself? Yes, I do hear about it from all the patients from the gastric bypass and the sleeves and the DS patients that this stuck feeling probably is due a little bit as Isabel describes the anatomy of the stomach and the intestines. Um, or maybe it's just due to closer to surgery. And especially since everything's now smaller, a little bit more swollen and tighter in there. So I hear about it usually in the early part, the first month or so or two after surgery, mainly the first few weeks. And some patients, though, will tell me eating slower and eating more mindful is really forever. If I forget, try to eat too fast, I feel that same kind of stuck feeling. So I guess it is dependent on the patient, and it might be just a reminder that you got to remember that you had a surgery and you've got to be more careful. So why do you I think, Gail? I hear the exact same thing though, Gail. I hear people mm -hmm. say, I do fine at home. And then all of a sudden I've been out to dinner. I got a little hungrier than normal and bam, I'm exactly. Mm. So I'm thinking from what both of you are saying that uh, some patients have no issues at all. They just, this just doesn't come up. But they all Correct. feel the restriction pretty much early on. So in the patients who are not having any problems, is it typically because they are eating slower and the bites are smaller? Or do you think of it as something else going on with that? Well, I think, Susan, that those that going slower, taking smaller bites, pausing in between, all of those things can add to the comfort. I give these three tips for comfort um, related to food size and speed, moisture, and the transition timing. And let me explain the size and speed. First of all, when they're in the liquid phase, I tell them sip, sip, sip. Put your beverage down between sips. In the blenderized phase, I tell them to use a baby spoon to remind them to eat tiny, tiny bites and that's go slow. That, that's a smart think. one. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> and third, in the, in the solid phase, I tell them to cut the food up into really tiny pieces, like the size of a dime, a pea, or a pencil eraser. And again, put the fork down between bites. Besides the size, moisture also affects comfort. Moist meats and proteins are going to go down easier. They're not going to irritate the esophagus on the way down either. Crock-pot chicken, for instance, might feel a lot better than a dry-baked chicken breast. Or with poultry, your dark meat is going to be more comfortable than white meat. And fish and shellfish work great as long as it's not breaded or fried. I also recommend beans, peas, and lentils. I have never had a patient have trouble with these because of comfort. And, and guess, by the way, they also add some fiber and yeah, then transition sure. timing. <laughs> I, um, I usually advance my patients to solids about two weeks after surgery. 
And that recommendation is more of a guideline. It's an estimate of the timing that really will work. And if it doesn't work, then back off. If it feels really uncomfortable, spend a day or a few days back at the blenderized phase, maybe even a whole week. Try the solids again. Make sure they're moist. Make sure they're cut up small. Make sure they pause and see how that goes. Yeah, I think these three tips are so smart. And I want to go back to something, Gail, for a second, because I don't know how many people caught this when you said it, but the reference for a bite size. So in our minds, let's just think right now, the size of a green pea or the size of a (laughs) pencil eraser or even a dime. I mean, I don't, we don't think that way. In America, we are about gulp and go Huge. and eat and go, right, Gail? And so if you exactly. talk, talk a little bit more about really having people get um, that, helping us get that true yes. size yes. down, and then talk a little bit about pausing. So we say pause, yeah, but what is a pause? Is it like a second? Is it 30 seconds? How long do you want to pause? Right. It's so important, Susan and um, Isabel, having that corrects even size of the plate. So it's a little smaller. So you feel like you're getting more. And then the size of the food, especially that protein, that chicken, that beef, that fish, you cut, especially if they're going to try steak for the first time, that is definitely going to be hard for them to break down because of the ligaments and tendons and the muscle of that meat. So they have to cut it into that pea size, dime size with their sharp knife, fork, kind of move it around a little bit and just take one bite at a time and chew, 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 chew to the apple. I always say applesauce consistency mm-hmm. before they swallow and then put that fork down, Susan. Give a break. And I know, I think, Isabel, you talk about a patient that actually gets up and walks around and does something and then comes and sits back down, right? Yeah, I have (laughs) one guy who lives alone, and he said, before surgery, you don't understand. Every meal is a race. How fast can I get it through? It's like a competition with myself. How fast can I shovel the food in and get on to something else? And so slowing down after that, after surgery, was a difficult obstacle. So he does this. He sits down. He takes a bite. He chews it. He's trying to be mindful. He's looking for satiety cues. And then when that bite is finished, his pause is getting up and allowing himself to wash one dish and then sitting back down at the table to repeat the process. He's looking for satiety cues the whole time, trying to be mindful and enjoy his food, but he's got to put some kind of action in place in order to force himself to pause. I love it. Yeah. I I mean, that's, I don't know that I would want to have to do that at every meal. You know what I mean? I don't want to be getting up and down. I want to be able to sit there and enjoy my meal. But what I can say about that, that I do agree with is that you have to learn how to eat differently. Our society yes. in the U.S., and I think this is different from Australia and uh, Europe, where meals are 
how shall I say more, cherished. And you sit there and you talk and you eat slowly. And it's about the conversation and the taste of the food. And in the United States, as I just said, it's a gulp and go. How fast can I get it down? I don't know what it tastes like. I'm not sure how much I had because I've got a call coming up. I have a next client. I've got to do this. I have to be at this meeting. And it's done a big disservice to us when it comes to saying, hey, you've got to switch from that now to eating something the size of your pen pencil eraser. I mean, really? I mean, that's a huge, in my mind, that's a huge transition. And so for this gentleman, if that's what it takes for him to learn those cues of how do I feel after that one bite, let me wash a dish and see, hey, more power to you. Because I do think you have to figure out what do you have to do that makes you mindful of that size and, and how much you've eaten. And it's a tough one in this country, don't you think? Oh, yeah. And I also tell them, Susan, that they have to take that small bite because they'll all make this mistake and they'll make it once. They'll take too big of a bite, chew it twice, swallow it, and then it'll happen. They'll get the worst pain because it gets stuck and they just about die. So they remember me telling them this and then they remember that they did not take a small bite and they didn't chew it long enough. I have never... Never heard the words never again more in any any other time in my life than when I've t- taken this job. Hey, I, I, I can just say that from just general overeating too fast, never again, when you feel like it's just stuck, mm-hmm. you know, and you're doing exactly what you just said. Hey, I've got a meeting. Oh, wonder what I just had to eat. I'm sure it was good. You know, ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Okay. This is a question yes. for you because this came up. Are either of you a fan of meat tenderizer mixed with water in terms of, uh, or maybe broth or water, lemon, some low fat sauce for dipping? How do you suggest to moisten food? I always tell them to moisten their food. I'm not sure about the meat tenderizer, but it if you watered it down, it might help. I've never tried it, but I really tell them to use a low-fat, fat-free sauce, marinara, gravy that's fat-free, lemon water, low-fat salad dressing, and make their food really moist before they eat. I agree. That's what I tell yeah. them. And in terms of the meat tenderizer, um, which is, you know, it's a powder, so you're going to mix it with a little bit of water, half a teaspoon, I don't know, maybe an ounce of water. And, or you also hear about pineapple or papaya enzymes. And so theoretically, I guess those could help if the stuck food is a protein. I've never tried it. I've never recommended it, but <laughs> yeah. I asked my yeah. surgeon about that. She said, what's a meat tenderizer? <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, but the bottom line is, is even with that, you, you don't want people ending up having to drink liquids to wash the food down. And that goes against everything that, that you're trying to teach them to do, separate liquids from their food. Now, I will tell them to take a sip or two or three if it gets really badly stuck. Right. To loosen it. Yeah. And then move on with eating, chewing without a lot of liquid. I mean, without added fluids. And then learn from that because you do want to build better habits like separating food and fluid. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I know this question gets asked a lot. Should I get up and walk around? Does that really help? 
I don't know if it helps or not, but my patients do it because it's an action <laughs> step. And, and, and you think about sitting up or standing up, the, at least the gravity is pushing the food down in the right place. But I don't know if yeah. it's really any difference between sitting there and standing, but it gives them something to do. So what yeah, about take mind off of it? Yeah, absolutely. What about practicing any of these tips before surgery? This is a lot to face. You have surgery, you already have a lot going on. Then all of a sudden you have food. When you make it to that point, you're adding food back and it gets stuck. Do you suggest and teach to practice any of these tips before surgery or to get familiar with any of this to lessen some of the possibility of this happening? Absolutely, Susan. We teach them to start eating more frequent, smaller meals and taking their time to chew their food really, really well, just to get into those good habits. I I do too. Right from the information session, I'm like, work on getting your fluids in between meals, work on eating slower, eating more mindfully. Smart strategies. Okay. As we wrap up, I always like you guys to leave us with one helpful tip, comment, thought that you haven't brought up. What do you want to leave us with today, Isabel? All right. If you're not taking your anti-reflux medicine for a couple of months after surgery, adding it back may help you with this issue. Here's why. The stomach, of course, while during the healing process is more likely to splash up acid into the esophagus that causes irritation and can cause swelling. And the swelling means there's less room for the food to go down. Now, yes, dry food can also irritate the esophagus, but that's probably a little more temporary, whereas the reflux can be a, a, a chronic issue if you're not taking your medication. So those swallowing issues um, maybe it may be an issue for a couple of months if you're during that healing process. And if it really, really interferes with your ability to eat and you're losing weight too quickly, then there may even be a physical reason um, past that. So if you're two months out, you're still having a ton of problem with this. Talk to your surgeon about it. It could be that there's a physical reason like scar tissue or maybe just the bottom of your stomach maybe is just a little bit too tight. And maybe your surgeon can find the issue and correct the issue, possibly with a scope like your endoscopy you had before surgery, perhaps looking down your throat into the stomach, um, but maybe even using a balloon to uh, move past that area and then blow up this little balloon that then can stretch that area and cause a little bigger area to you know, to, to help with the issue. That that's really good insight. Thanks for sharing that information. And uh, Gail, what about you? Well, we at our center, uh, Orlando health, we actually have our sleeves on an, uh, Pepsid complete chewable for the first six months for the gastric bypass three months and for the DS usually six months as well. They'll take it twice a day, the first thing they do when they wake up, and the last thing they do in the evening. And that, and if that still doesn't help with any reflux issues they have, uh, they uh, will be put on something stronger. If they were already on something stronger, they'll be put on something more, uh, you know, that will help them. And I agree with Isabel, if this uh, blockage or discomfort 
continues. We also do the balloon treatment to stretch out the area of the esophagus or wherever it is along the stomach area, intestines, to um, enlarge it so they won't have this this blockage type of thing going on. And you won't know uh, unless you go in and look. So we definitely tell patients if it's continuing to get back with us. Yeah, it's not the first line. You know, the other the first thing is to eat more slowly, take smaller bites, moisten your food. But if the problem doesn't go away, then there might be more. Right. That's such good insight and such good things to think about. Thank you for being here. Thank you for taking the time to share your expertise and what you're seeing in the clinics. It's so helpful. We're excited. Well, you're welcome. Yeah, you're very welcome. So try some of these comfort tips that Isabel and Gail shared. That feeling of food being stuck doesn't need to bother you anymore. You're worth it. Bariatric Surgery Success with Dietitian Dr. Susan Mitchell is produced and owned by Practicalories, LLC. All rights reserved. Remember, the content provided on this podcast is for information purposes only and doesn't create a patient-provider relationship. It's intended to provide reference material and is not designed to provide medical advice. Please consult your healthcare provider regarding any medical issues you have relating to symptoms, conditions, diseases, diagnosis, treatments, and side effects. Podcast guests express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions which do not necessarily reflect or agree with the host, Dr. Susan Mitchell, or Practicalories, LLC.